You're listening to Season 2 of the Hypotheticals Podcast. I'm Andy. I'm Adriano. And this episode is brought to you by your cat lying on your keyboard during a video meeting. Adriano, I have been thinking... A dangerous pastime, Andy. I know, it's rare for me, but I have. And I was thinking about a very serious topic. How would society change if some people were to become giants as they age? Ooh, okay. Uh, define some people and define giants. Right, I, I thought you might come up with this. There's some people I, I'm less sure of, but I was thinking, like, let's assume about three times the height of a typical person All right. with the, like, the appropriate muscle and bone mass to support that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm thinking they're probably about the same weight as a small elephant if i i'm I'm not entirely sure if my calculations are right i have no idea how it works but like probably at least as tall as an elephant if not taller okay we're Um, talking big big people we're not talking like professional basketball player or hagrid we're talking like two hagrids yeah and we're not talking like uh you know like the tallest person who ever lived i can't remember Mm -hmm. how tall he was like 10 feet but he was quite skinny this yeah, would be like, stick like properly proportioned so that like the heart can healthily like pump blood around the body so that they can actually, you know, survive long term without um health problems. See, I wanna I I wanna take slight issue with that because I actually I, I'm curious about your uh scenarios where only some people become giants. Mm-hmm. Um because I'm really hooked on the idea of people just continuously growing throughout their lives as an inescapable curse. Just there is no sort of growth spurt during puberty and then like, you know, by twenty or years you're done. Uh right. it just so by the time you're a hundred, you're, you know, gargantuan. Yeah. And the thing is, I think that would have some fascinating side effects because currently you shrink a bit with age, your vertebrae fuse, uh, your skin loses elasticity, you lose muscle mass, your bones get brittle, you kind of shrink in on yourself, you get wrinkly. You wouldn't have any of that. Your skin wouldn't have a chance to wrinkle. It would, you know, you'd be you'd be completely smooth, like a baby, still growing. You might still have acne, but... So are you saying, like, you wouldn't have any of the, like, you wouldn't get bigger, but your bones get more fragile? You're just saying you get ever more powerful? Well, that's, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> Either the elderly become this incredible new force of nature, just, like, indomitable, you know, like, their conservative ideals uh, at the end of a huge meaty fist, just forever... Yeah. Uh, if you want, if you want a vision of the future, imagine uh, a giant uh, old, <laughs> a giant old buckled shoe stamping on a human face. <laughs> so you're like Grog the Destroyer, you know, eater <laughs> of worlds, aged eighty nine, and you're at your utmost power. And then the next day, you just keel over. <laughs> <laughs> Or aged 8,000, because, like, what's to kill you if everything's regenerating? But no, I think more realistically, what would happen is, if it's just about growth, um, if you're, maybe your bones wouldn't get brittle because they're still going, and maybe you wouldn't lose muscle mass because they're still going, and your skin wouldn't wrinkle fine, but I bet you'd get organ failure because, yeah, like, your heart pumping blood, like, to, a, you'd have a bigger heart, sure, but I suspect there's some things that don't scale linearly. Like, you know, you know the reason we can't have giant bugs? Uh, yes, because in terms of oxygen getting to their tissue, it's not, you know, with, with greater um, volume, your surface area compared to your volume decreases. Bingo. Uh, so it, just uh, for bugs and in general with all species, um, it becomes more difficult. Exactly. And I gather there might be issues as well to do with the structure of their exoskeleton. It's like the materials, uh, you can't just scale up and have it maintain its structural integrity. I'm not 100% sure on this, but 
basically, I feel like there's some limitations. There'd be some emergent properties that would show up. There'd be bits of our body that would be like, all right, yeah, I keep getting this growth hormone. I'm fine. I can go forever. And then other bits that are like, oh, no, too big. We were only rated for a size up to whatever. And now I can't pump the blood up there, my dude. It just cannot be done. Yeah. It really depends whether, you know, when you're, you're growing with age, whether you grow you keep the same proportions because if you're keeping exactly the same proportions just growing then you're going to run into some problems mm -hmm. but if you are becoming much sort of um if you grow outwards more than you grow upwards if you see what i mean like an elephant they are very bulky mm -hmm. even though their height is not that much taller than than us really you know but they weigh you know tens of times yeah, more but they're than, quadrupeds. than we do it's very different yeah but elephants can stand on two legs you know right but they don't fine. routinely yeah, they just, you know, wander around the shops. <laughs> so they can push the bus, the, the trolley. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, they wouldn't use their trunk for that. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Look, I, I, I think that um, it would be most interesting if you had elderly people who, for example, completely take over some of the businesses uh, traditionally the purview of the young, like fruit picking, right? Like, mm -hmm. you can either do it because you're an underpaid immigrant or a young person with no experience or because you're old and you just reach up there. It's just easier. You don't need a ladder. You know what I mean? You had your... Yeah, but your, but your big old beefy hands would crush all the, you know, apples and pears and things. You're like, oh, look at this perfectly ripe pear. Gone. <laughs> Squished, just juice yeah. instantly. But then you get a job as a pear juicer. There's got to be things that it would be easier to employ like retired elderly people with their huge muscle-bound frames. Well, okay, so I was thinking, I was speaking of my scenario where, where only some people become giants, which we seem to have forgotten that. But anyway. <laughs> no, I like my idea better. We're doing mine now. <laughs> but I was thinking about how the economy would work because being a giant is expensive. Like, mm. there's more, you spend more on clothes, you spend more on food, on furniture, everything. Like, your house needs to be bigger, everything requires more resources. Mm. But if you're still in this world which is primarily you know, uh, in inverted commas, normal people height, um, then either the giants need to be sort of adopted as vassals of the state, like the state will pay for your upkeep, or they need to do jobs that, that currently aren't that well paid. Like those manual labor jobs aren't that well paid and mm. would we really pay a giant to do it? That like, would, we wouldn't pay them enough in order to survive. Yeah, we've got machines. Um, so yeah, like with industrialization, maybe if we'd had this happening before industrialization oh then... my god forget about it soldiers yeah uh, building castles and stuff hoisting those rocks and maybe we wouldn't have you know reached industrial levels quite as quickly because we've got all these giants doing this stuff for us definitely and also like i guess giants at that point would have been revered as sort of gods i imagine like they've been touched by the gods um and that's why they have grown to this enormous size so you might even have civilizations where you know the bigger you are the, the more you are revered, the more status you have. Yes, and actually, I think this could also happen if everyone was becoming bigger with age, provided you've got a society like, as I gather, some Eastern societies, where age is revered because the older you are, the wiser you are. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but imagine like that it's not just like, oh yeah, old Mr. Whoever, he's been in office for 40 odd years. Yeah, we've got to respect everything he says, but between you and me, he's getting a bit doddery. He'd be like, no, he is a gargantuan beef man. Like he would have an imposing presence at the board meetings. Of course you're going to do what he says. 
It would just really <laughs> reinforce that, you know? He smashes the table in anger and it just disintegrates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like hulking, just like looming over on his like giant executive chair. Like, of course. He's been, he's been trying to click the bit of a biro for ages and he just gets so angry. <laughs> so just pulverizes it in his fist. Yeah. Well, this is interesting because like, um, I'm thinking of elephant seals now because you've got all these... Um, and any animal where when they are the dominant it tends to be dominant males in in the animal kingdom when they're the dominant male they go, undergo this physical transformation because of all the hormones like orangutans with like orangutans yeah but elephant seals if they're the dominant male uh, they grow really big and like just enormous like next to the females they are so many times bigger and more powerful and they with that comes massive amounts of aggression because of all the testosterone mm. like coursing through them so would all these old people like the cumulative effect of all of these growth hormones just makes them so aggressive all the time oh, <laughs> like Lord. and so not only are you getting bigger but you're also getting angrier and maybe it becomes like a it becomes a problem in terms of the country because you've got all these incredibly powerful incredibly angry people and they'd all be politicians uh, or something they'd be our modern day alphas they'd be CEOs yeah. Oh yeah. god, yeah. Because I was thinking, like, how would the power dynamic shift? Because history's shown us that groups who have more power, who are typically male, let's be honest, um, mm. have tended to use that power to assert dominance over other groups. Oh yes. So would this apply to giants because of their size and strength, or actually would the fact that they would have less dexterity make them more vulnerable? If you see what I mean. Yes. Now, okay, before we stray too far from the topic of elephant seals, I do just want to say one thing <laughs> for the yep. edification of the listeners. Did you know, Andy, that the first one to get stuffed by a taxidermist uh, is absolutely massive? Uh, I did not. Okay. Well, I did think you were going to say a taxi driver, and I thought, <laughs> I bet that's a bad job. <laughs> you really, really should have left that to the experts. <laughs> yeah, it's true. No, mistakes. Uh, well, this is a good work of taxidermy, except they didn't know how wrinkly these guys are in real life. <laughs> so they brought this guy the pelt or whatever, and he just started stuffing it and kept going until all the wrinkles were gone. And it's very stretchy, so it is absolutely humongous like this thing <laughs> is, is housed in a museum it's like a two-story oh. room with a balcony around the outside oh and the seal just massive <laughs> this completely torch elephant seal like a balloon <laughs> it's very good very good indeed. oh i need to look that up yeah look it up i recommend uh but yes going back to the angry old people <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know, because on the one hand, it's, I think, in my head, these, like, lumbering giants are inextricably connected with being, um, stupider somehow, like, Mongo wants to play too, you know, or, like, more aggressive or less dexterous, but would any of that be true? Because they'd have the wisdom of age, they'd have years and years of muscle memory, um, and, like, any dodderiness that we associate with advanced age would perhaps be offset by the fact that their brain is still growing as well. So mm. would they just be ubermensch, just more powerful, like, eventually victims to their own organ failure, perhaps, but in the interim, just, you know, the prime of their massive lives? Yeah, I don't, well, I don't think you can get that much bigger without losing some dexterity. If your fingers are growing at the same rate as well, you, it's not like they're an elephant where they've got the tiny little, you know, the ends of their trunk are really oh, delicate. Like true. they can pinch things and stuff. They can handle it. You're it's right. not like they still got tiny little fingers. No, you'd have <laughs> big old salami digits. And, so yeah. you couldn't, 
easily use a laptop. I guess you just have to make a whole range of laptops. And oh, you know who'd be doing really well is uh, Jitterbug. Those guys who make make the phones for the elderly with the big buttons. Oh, they'd be doing You'd so need well. Those. They'd and have a whole range. Yeah, the clothes guys. My God, the number of parents that who complain that like I just bought you these shoes three months ago. How can you already have outgrown them? And there's all these people preying on that by trying to sell fashion to like little kids who are just going to outgrow stuff. Like, why would you buy them expensive clothes? They can't appreciate them. I mean, don't foist your fashion chasing on these poor, innocent children, for starters. But then also, why waste your money, right? But then suddenly that's your whole adult life. If you're the kind of person who wants to follow fashion, now you're going to have to follow fashion really fast, like at a sprint. I like the idea that um, people would... Uh, use the the like discarded fashion items because presumably they're just piling up everywhere because no one's going to challenge a giant on like throwing stuff like <laughs> littering in the street like okay that's fine but all these you know all these homeless people just tucking themselves into a pair of giant trousers every night or like setting up a shirt as a tent like oh, all those yes. giant canvas bell tents and they've got a whole little mansion in there that could be really good actually yeah i picture just the charity shops doing an amazing trade um, but in like giant clothing because they're primarily <laughs> patronized by the elderly in any case, or at least there's like a skew. So yeah. yeah. Now, um, I almost called him Nickelback, which I, I gather is offensive. Uh, the guy who's going to pop some tags, but he's only got $20 in his pocket. Macklemore. That's the one. Macklemore, yeah. Yeah. He's going <laughs> to be popping some really big tags. Like he's going to steal your grandpa's style, but he's going to be swimming in that sweater. <laughs> I, I'm just imagining a giant turning up to a normal sized charity shop and just stuffing an entire <laughs> old coat in through the door. Like, no, no, we don't want this one. No. And they're just, they're just engulfed. I brought you a donation. <laughs> just crying. And, like, and then, like, they've had some time to adjust. They've, like, managed to reset the store. And, like, come on in. Would you like to buy one giant coat? It's like, do you have anything else? No. Nope. <laughs> That's all we got. It's just carefully folded in the middle of the room, and you have to kind of scoot your way past it to the counter. It's like, uh, you got anything else in the back? Like, nope. <laughs> one <laughs> other is, coat. It, it is in blue. <laughs> Would you like yeah. that one? <laughs> but this is another thing is, like, buildings so currently at the moment there's a obviously a very good drive to make buildings more accessible to people mm -hmm. um that society sees as having disabilities um which sometimes includes um people who are what's the phrase neurologically different like autism and that sort of thing where it's like it's debatable whether um it's a disability per se or just a different way of thinking mm -hmm. but with this would a giant technically come <laughs> under the umbrella of disabled and would you need to make your shops giant accessible or vice versa like if you have a giant shop do you need to make that accessible for uh the smaller size people like you need to have ladders up the steps so that everyone can get in even if there's no feasible way that they want to it would really exacerbate ageism yeah or if it's only some people becoming giants then yeah they'd suddenly become a whole separate society and and if they become adopted as sort of um wards of the state like you mentioned i feel like that would only work if it was classified kind of as a disability or a, a rare condition i don't know you know like uh, the state may very well decide to pay for hearing aids or you know seeing eye dogs or whatever um but they tend not to be like are you too tall to fit comfortably in a plane seat? We'll pay for your <laughs> upgrade, you know? So they'd have to really make a, a distinction and uh, and categorise these people differently. In God, which yeah. case, yeah, I think you would. That, that would have to be the rules. And it would be really interesting because businesses who aren't properly putting the effort in 
are basically saying they don't care about customers above a certain age, which many of them probably wouldn't. But it would be interesting to see uh, what places would just be like, no, we're going the other way. Everything is huge. And if you're too small to deal with that, then I guess you can have a red bladder or something. You know, yeah. like the bingo halls, like the truly <laughs> massive jumble sales, that uh-huh. sort of thing. I'm thinking of the size of cruise ships. They're already the size of cities. This would be like <laughs> countries. Oh, forget about it. Yeah. I mean, you may as well get an island and apply uh, an outboard motor to it. Yeah, just dig under the foundations of that thing and strap on some engines, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Well, listen, job-wise, it becomes really tricky because the elderly... Say the elderly were infirm or otherwise lonely or or still needed care for whatever reason, right? Right. Um, that is a job traditionally done by the young, certainly younger. You're not going to have people older than the clients um, in like a, a care home for the elderly. But in this scenario, anyone much younger is going to be absolutely tiny. Yeah. And they already struggle with stuff like the physical handling of people who can't get out of bed unassisted or can't climb into a bathtub unassisted and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. now you're dealing with like a... You have to hire acrobats. They have to be able to like stack together to sort of human <laughs> pyramid style help this person on with their glasses. Or are you just counting on the fact that nobody's going to need assistance getting into a bathtub because they're all like hale and hearty with their freshly grown muscles and things? Yeah, we've got to roll them into the sea like for their bath. <laughs> we don't have a bathtub big enough. Well, I guess you'd have to have um, a lot of like the, you know, if your uh, your care home, for example, is, you know, sort of. Uh, 80 plus giants who are you know struggling a bit you've got to staff it with the sort of still physically cape you know physically fit 60 to 80 year old giants who are not as big but a couple of them together can do some lifting smart yeah that's good and same for hospitals and things i expect any any scenario where you've got like orderlies or people who are going to be injured or unconscious yeah and massage? Like, imagine being a masseur and they roll in a client who's, like, four times your size. <laughs> You're going to need a sliding scale You're of, of, like, pay. You're like, I'm sorry, a one-hour appointment is not going to cover this. You're going to need to book me for a day. Time to get the big mallets out. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> You're just hammering on their back. Because <laughs> they're not the size of your face just <laughs> in there. But on the other hand, I guess you could just climb up on their back and dance around in big shoes. Yeah, yeah. Do some tap. Yeah, exactly. Which is, is that already a style of massage where like you can get a, an Asian lady to climb around on your back or is that just a weird stereotype? <laughs> I don't think we have to be Asian or a lady. No, no. But yes, I think that is. What I mean is, doesn't it, it like originates from a specific country, doesn't it? Isn't it like X style massage, but I can't remember the style. Anyway. Yeah, I think it might do. That's that's certainly the uh, the image you see in media. But um... It is. Well, now it's going to be a tiny young person on a giant elderly person. <laughs> Just clambering around, doing their best, you know, because they got to pay for their ever, uh, <laughs> their ever changing uh, wardrobe. Unless, I mean, would you realistically would you like buy clothes to grow into, as you do with children, or <laughs> would the, what? I do, I just love the idea of a sixty-year-old giant going, "Oh, I'll grow into this by the time I'm 70. Right? <laughs> just walking around with a giant T-shirt which like dangles around their knees. You got to think that way, though. I mean, you, maybe you wouldn't go that extreme. It depends on the rate of growth. I'm picturing more like maybe you'd buy sort of looser, like maternity-style wear, like things that, like buying something that is like tailored to your exact fit, particularly if it's expensive, like a suit, would be an incredible extravagance because 
you know, you buy a tailored suit that lasts you 20 years if you look after it properly, you know, is what they tell you. Like, buy, buy a good one and then you'll only buy one pair of boots your whole life. But now, that's never going to be true. Keep them for a year if you're lucky. So if you've got a tailored suit, you are rolling in it. I feel like a, a whole new style of fashion could emerge where essentially, like, it's all detached by zips, right? And you can, like, the sleeve you can unzip so it opens up. The torso you can unzip so it opens up. And you can insert new slices of fabric oh, to make it bigger. Modular, expandable clothing. So, so the older you get, the more and more zips you have. Or, like, maybe <laughs> you just... just you just punk know, as this, hell. <laughs> or just the gaps between the zips becomes bigger. But it means you can, like, just zip in new pieces of material... Uh, rather than having to buy a whole new outfit. So getting dressed in the morning takes a while. <laughs> no, because you'd leave them zipped, right? Oh, I see, and then struggle into it like a like a jumper. Or a but you could shirt. you could make yourself look a bit like a circus tent because you'd have all these different colours, like <laughs> slices that's, all around you. That's pretty good. But is there not some better modern technology? Like, could you not just make a really stretchy? Like Edna Mode was able to design a super suit that would fit Elastigirl and I stretch with her. Don't know if she's really like Rani. Know, she's really... But she is an inspiration to us all, <laughs> and surely someone is going to take up that mantle and create really stretchy clothes that will just follow you. So you're you. talking like, oh, we need to find the guy who uh, created the Incredible Hulk's boxes. That's what we need oh, to get. Oh, yeah, that is all you need. Well, that is <laughs> even better because they change size. When he gets small again, he's still wearing He's not. They don't fall off. Yeah, they don't lose it. No. Yeah. Yeah. Why are they purple? Does Bruce Banner wear purple trousers the whole time? I guess so. Because it's not underwear, right? It's like uh, it's like jorts. It's like his trousers, right? With the yeah, with the belt loops and everything. Well, maybe he just knows that that's the only pair that that successfully does it. Maybe he's trialed uh, <laughs> wearing other underwear, and it's like, oh no, I'm completely naked. Okay, <laughs> now he buys these trousers by the absolute crate load. He's the only guy who does. They come in this violent purple shade. I was like, why does he need so many? Why does he need so many of these trousers that kind of look like the ones the Hulk wears? That's weird. Yeah, you know, I've tried white, I've tried black, just purple. They don't work. It's just the purple ones. I don't know what they put in it. It's so stretchy. I tried purple ones, they got too dirty, stopped working. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> put them through the washing machine, they were fine. I don't understand. <laughs> okay, well, failing that, you're going to need to buy a lot of clothes. You're going to need to buy a lot of furniture. Unless you just buy really big furniture and everyone else has to just deal. A lot of cushions. You know, or do you kind of average it out? Like, there's a certain age. Do you remember experiencing this, like, in high school? When um, there's, like, a certain, like, I feel like year uh, seven, year eight, maybe, like, the chairs are a bit too big for you. And then there's, uh -huh. like, a sweet spot when they're just the right size. And then, like, after a year or two of that, it's like, no, these are tiny. Like, why? You know? Mm. Maybe your school had a better chair situation. I remember this experience. <laughs> I can't remember exactly that feeling. But I see what you mean. Yeah. I don't know. I, it depends how much uh, giants just bully in this scenario. Like, that they just pick on small people <laughs> to, like, do the jobs for them. That's a good like, point. You know, how much do they just steal stuff that they need? Come on. Come and, come and arrest me. Oh, people. you're suggesting a whole social breakdown and reorganization based on the idea that they're just too powerful to be stopped. Yeah. And, like, you just got to prepare for, like... You know, oh, you know, Giant's just going to come in and, like, take all our stuff. Yeah, Giant Raid. Not much we Well, like, you've got to pay tribute to the elderly, <laughs> like, every, it's every true. Uh, you know, every month they come by town with their sacks of, you know, all the, <laughs> on riding, I don't know, what, what would they be riding? Elephants, I guess, or oh, something. Oh, lord. Yeah. Or their own parents. <laughs> yeah, riding on the shoulders, <laughs> one back. on each. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you just got to, you know, hand over your stuff. They just roll through. And just be like, one day, that'll be me. 
it's sort of like orc society in some uh, in some fantasy where it's just like might is right, the biggest rule. Yeah, biggest one is always chief of the clan. Yeah, you've just got to kind of deal with it until you two are massive and can just take what you want. You know, realistically, we may very well have like th- that may have been what finally tipped us over uh, into being orcs. Essentially, is if you just kept growing forever because. I mean, a tribal um, chieftains, I'm guessing, would not have been that different to uh, sort of alpha males. And uh, you add in the fact that they just grow continuously. And there's only going to be more incentive for, like, the biggest, most aggressive to just hang on to that throne for dear life. Because, I mean, you get older, you get more conservative, you get more convinced that you're you know, your way is the best way, you're wise and smart, and you've got all the experience, and these young whippersnappers, they don't know what's up. And now, you know, you can smack them down. You never have that sort of, uh, ah, my own kid can beat me at basketball now. Now I'm, you know, finally I'm passing the torch on. You'd be like, no, I will always beat you. I'm your dad and I'm huge. What are you going to (laughs) do? Jeez. Would, okay, bit of a tangent. Giants, right? How old can they have kids? Oh, because. Do the giants have giant children? Or are no, they it just gets normal easier size and, easier. and they just sort of fall out? <laughs> that would be miraculous. My God, imagine the boon to womankind. If it's like, you know, nowadays it's like you probably want to have your kid before you're 40 because the incidences of... Although I gather the, like, um, scaremongering about birth defects and stuff has been blown out of proportion. I don't know. I read random headlines on Facebook and then imagine that they might be facts. It becomes a lot more difficult to have a kid anyway. Yeah. Well, anyway, now they'd be like, you want to wait to, like, you want to wait till you're at least 50. Because... And then you can have like five at once. Yeah, like, it doesn't even you won't matter. Even notice. Just pop them out. Like it's just another <laughs> you, Saturday. You'll be walking along. No one will know that you're pregnant. You probably won't know you're pregnant, and then suddenly five babies will fall. Oh, out. that's the scary part, actually. Yeah, the not knowing. That's the point. How do you look after a tiny newborn baby, which is probably the size of your finger? Right. Yeah, um, that's with your giant giant sausage hands, and you've got a, you know. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, thinking like, how's how are you? How's it going to breastfeed? That's a that's an issue. Um, you would have to uh, like pump and then get a yeah. tiny, tiny bottle and try not to shatter <laughs> it with your giant digits, or you'd have to hire a tiny wet nurse or a you know a tiny nanny. I guess the the idea, right? If this was a whole societal reshuffle, is that you would just have kids constantly throughout your life, mm-hmm. and then you would have a, a, a person of the right size who could look after your latest kid. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm very possible. I mean, the thing, I have no idea about the hormonal biology that would go into, like, consistent growth throughout life. Presumably, it would mess with all sorts of things like menopause and puberty. Uh, You know, very possibly you'd still have uh, acne in your 60s, uh, but also you'd be able to have kids right up until your final breath. Like, I don't know, maybe. So Mm. there might be no sort of upper limit. You could be an octogenarian having triplets. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and with, with just, like, generations of earlier children taking it in turns to look after them. Which means that once you establish your tribe, uh, you're, like, you could create a whole tribe just with your own family. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if this had been established in early in our history, we would not have hit societal levels. We would all be in tribes still, <laughs> just fighting each other with these weird, like, sliding scales of size. Like, you know... Oh no, the, the neighbouring family is coming over the hill and you see them all riding on their giant forefather <laughs> and foremother. Maybe in this scenario, the, the you know, the women are even bigger because um, quite often 
I don't know, if, if the idea is to like literally have as many kids as possible, quite often in nature the, the women are bigger. Um, oh yeah, you get some quite incredible so, disparities, don't you? Yeah, you get this sort of strange... It is a bit like Lord of the Rings, where they have the trolls and then all the little orcs and goblins like scuttling around them. Yes. <laughs> as they like charge into combat. Yeah, it's true. God, that would be that would be a sight to see. And yeah, it, it would be the those weird setting where like you could you could just wait. Like, what about the you know that rival tribe over the hills? Well, uh, we'll fight them in twenty odd years because we reckon their patriarch or matriarch will be dead by that point, and ours will be bigger than their. You know, because like yeah. everyone's shifting the whole time. Ah, I can't even picture it. It'd be so weird. Like, you've got like wage wars based on like bumper years for kids like okay <laughs> the you know, harvest has been bountiful 1985 was a great year for kids we had so many so we just need to wait till 2035 when they hit 50 mm-hmm. and then they'll be big enough there'll be loads of them so we can take them out <laughs> but we just need to fend them off till then because we don't have many who were born in 1980 onwards you know that little gap we, mm-hmm. we're missing out on a chunk it would be quite complicated yeah it really would that would be messed up that's all I've got to say about this. I'd be fascinated to see it, but God, I don't want to live in that world. <laughs> no, I don't want awful. big scary all grandpa. These, all these grandpas charging into battle in their like uh, knitted tops, <laughs> like <laughs> all, and like you'd be you'd just be chilling out like on a weekend. You'd be like, there'd be this earth shattering bang. You'd be like, what's that? Like the earth rumbling. Like, no, oh, they're playing bowls at the <laughs> club again. <laughs> playing darts, but like with entire sharpened <laughs> trees. Yeah, like. <laughs> huge the entire country like entire countries counties converted into golf courses oh, <laughs> just to God, be big yeah. enough to fit 18 holes on and and each hole is like a, a massive hazard <laughs> you yeah, can yeah. fall down that thing and die <laughs> the sand traps are deserts yeah oh. and in terms of speaking to giants you'd need to like carry amplifiers if you were a young person I guess. Like, it depends. I, I feel like in the course of this conversation, they've gotten bigger and bigger. We started off with like yeah. three times the size of your average adult. Um, and I guess it depends if, if their hearing is going, right? As they're getting at older. At the same time. At the same time as they're growing taller. Mm. Yeah, that's quite difficult. And also, would their hearing adjust? Like, would it be adjusted for hearing deep, you know, guttural noises like other giants? And like, what's these tiny little whispers I hear? Like, yeah, the, maybe. You know, they wouldn't whisper. The top range. You. Because, like, you know, it's like um, people lose the high frequencies as they get older anyway, Absolutely. which is why those um, those things work where to deter young kids from, like, hanging around near shopping centres. So they say, my sister and I used to be able to hear our granddad's uh, fox dissuader thing that was in his <laughs> garden going the whole time trying to scare foxes away. So Amazing. So, yeah, if it's like that, then, you know... They just tune, tune. If you get old enough, you just tune the young people out completely. Yeah, like, they don't even matter anymore. No, it's like you must be this tall to matter, basically. Just another yeah. incredible way for society to segregate and find a way to oppress a whole class of people. Yeah, again, it's it's sounding more and more like the way that a lot of fish spawn, like just thousands of tiny young mm-hmm. <laughs> that no one really cares about, nope. and it's only once you hit a certain size slash age that um you actually you know get noticed. Man, so it basically, if you made the opposite film to downsizing, which mm-hmm. I've not seen, but I know the concept of, where you can, for economic reasons, optionally choose to be made teeny tiny 
in a non-reversible procedure so that you can go live in a condo the size of a shoebox. If you had a non-consensual reverse where like as you go through life and you're trying to figure out a mortgage and this is your starter home but you're gonna have to trade it out uh, because you're gonna literally outgrow it. You've got the opposite where everything just becomes more expensive as you get bigger and you consume more resources. Uh, what you end up with is just like an awful uh, medieval sort of bloodthirsty tribal society. Can't wait to be there. <laughs> Just another 30 years. <laughs> Can't wait. Andy, how would you like to play another round of our favourite game, Hyperfakicals? The- <laughs> That's the Hyperfakicals sound effect, apparently. There has got to be a better title and also a better sound effect, no offence. I, hey. <laughs> so I would like to suggest a subtitle for this one because we've previously played Flim Flam Film. Mm. Uh, this one is going to be involving books. So Flim Flam Fiction or... Oh, I, th- I thought you were going to go with Blim Blam Book. <laughs> Blim Blam Books. Very good. That's that's solid. Okay. I, I don't think it is. <laughs> Alright, oh. Blim Blam Books. Um, so, for any... Oh, I've got one, I've got one. What? It's co- It could be called Guest Book. Guest, guest <laughs> Book. Oh my god, okay, yes, I oh, guess spell, it could spell be... Spell E-D, Guest, yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, no, very nice, very nice. Well, I was thinking we want to keep alliteration right, but Flim Flam Film worked, but like, for novels, so like, not a natural novel, or like... Uh, totally true tales, but they're not. To- mm, no, that doesn't work. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. listeners, any ideas for our awfully named segment? Help us, please. <laughs> anyway, the game, um, as long-time listeners will know, uh, is basically that we will present each other with a list of titles, amongst which hides one fake, one imposter. Um, and you've got to find them, chuck them out of the airlock. So uh, because these are book titles, we're going to give each other the book titles first uh, so that we each have a chance to determine what the books are about. Then we're going to dispense the actual synopses, and then based on the titles and synopses, we will identify the fakes. Do you... It's an incredibly simple segment that I'm sure you'll understand, but, <laughs> but I hope people get the Our idea listeners are smart along. people. I think they're following yeah. along. Just, in fact, they're probably eager for us to get started. Andy... Do you want to kick us off? Okay, right. So the first uh, book title, uh, which may be true or may be false, is called <clears throat> The Story of the Vivian Girls in what is known as the Realms of the Unreal of the Glandico Angelinian Warstorm Caused by the Child Slave Rebellion by Henry Darger. That's just the title, right? There's a synopsis to go along with that? Yeah, that's the okay, title. I deserve with, with, this. With the, uh, with the author. <laughs> this is after your film one, which was like pages long. <laughs> yeah, what was it? It was like Return of the Son of the Bride of the... <laughs> Planet of the Apes of the Dead of the... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, of the Dawn of the... Anyway, it was incredible. Um, all right, yeah, fair enough. I do deserve that. Okay, so Tale of the Vivians and the... Well, I'm not going to get you to repeat it, but this this smacks very much of fantasy to me. Um, possibly sort of like book three of the Elementor saga sort of thing. Um, so it was something caused by a slave rebellion or something? The, the child slave rebellion, yep. Child slave rebellion. Okay, and it, this is the tale of the Vivians. 
the story of the Vivian girls. The Vivian girls, fine. Well, that's easy enough. So what it is, is um, the child slaves were categorised uh, not by race or age or strength or whatever, but rather by name um, <laughs> for convenience. So, you yep. know, you'd be strolling through the barracks and you'd be like, Vivian, and they'd all go, yes, like, you know, a thousand of them at the same time. So, that is convenient, actually. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you'd get through that register real quick. And so this is the story of the Vivians, specifically the Vivian girls. Uh, the rest of the books in the series are like the Jack boys or the, you know, the Evelyn girls or the etc. They all have slightly different, um, like the Jack boys one, really brief um, because they get caught and butchered immediately. <laughs> It's ab- absolutely brutal books, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some of them are. They, they explore all possibilities. Uh, the Vivian girls specifically, um, I think they start a new Vivian-only society uh, right. on a remote island somewhere and uh, name everything um, using letters that start with V. I do like the idea that when they take the register, they still do all of the names individually. <laughs> Vivian, here! Vivian, here. <laughs> and they all know which one is them. It's like, yeah, yeah. Vivian, here. What? Not you. Vivian over there. It's like, oh, sorry, I misheard you. I thought you said Vivian, oh. but Vivian, yeah, I get it. Okay. <laughs> okay, hit me with one of yours. Okay, my first one is called God Just Wanted to Play Golf. Right, I don't know whether this is a fiction or a non-fiction book, but I think it's more entertaining if it's fiction, and it is just a weird sort of day in the life of god and it's a sort of it's a kid's book it's like for you know for christian kids let's say and it's like oh god just wants to play golf and then jesus came along was like come on we've got to save all these people on earth gotta save their souls like oh i just want to play golf <laughs> fine jesus off you go and he keeps being interrupted by various prophets there's like moses um maybe if you want to make it not just christian but you know appeal to a broader range of people Muhammad might be there um, although obviously, uh, yeah, that's getting into, it's not a picture book. Yeah, no anyway, illustrations. Um, no pictures. Oh, mm. those pages anyway, are just blank. <laughs> yes, that would be good. Um, but yes, and it's just all these different prophets, all these people coming to God and interrupting him. Like he's mid-swing, he's about to, you know, get a hole in one or like, and it suddenly like they say God and he hits it and it goes into the pond. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a fun little romp through, through God's day. Obviously God's days last thousands of years, um, because that's how he made the world. That's very strong. I like that. I, I'm picturing the pictures now, and they're very good. And actually, the way I've got it in my head, um, God is like one of the parents off of um, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, or some where you or um, like, you know, the style in some cartoons, like cow and chicken. Oh, where you don't see their heads. Yeah, just the yeah. So you've got like his his legs, and he's wearing robes, but then also like golf shoes. Uh, and a massive golf club and you've got like all the angels and everything are like more normal sized but they just like come up to his knee anyway that's good I want to illustrate this book now that does work because God is really old so he would grow enormous (laughs) huge it's true (laughs) Uh, okay my next one is called crafting with cat hair cute handicrafts to make with your cat Okay, I mean, that is very on the nose. Like, if that is a non-fiction crafts book, then that is just straight up what it is. It's just a list of crafts to make with cat hair. So I'm picturing um, needle felting would probably be one of the best things. Um, Uh You know, where the technique is that you get some sort of, like, 
uncarded wool so it's just in a mass uh, like cotton wool and you just sort of you stab 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 with a needle into a piece of foam through the wool and it gradually sort of mats down into a kind of felt and you can make sculptures that way so I'm sure you could do that with cat hair you could also um, get your glue or your paints and just put a load of hair in there so then you can maybe on your own face with make hair. a little beard oh yeah absolutely you could uh, like those <laughs> Egyptian pharaohs uh, what do they have? Yeah. Goat hair beards or something? All sorts of things you could do. So now I'm thinking of a person making a voodoo doll of their own cat with its own hair. This will teach you mittens. Yeah, and and as they like needle felt it, suddenly the cat starts being poked by needles. This gets pretty dark. Oh my god! <laughs> like voodoo crafts, but you never know yeah. like at what point in the craft the thing is going to activate and start exuding its terrible power. Okay, yeah, that's strong. <laughs> now, that's if it turns out to be a uh, non-fiction craft book, but I want to believe that that is just the title of um, someone's autobiography. <laughs> Crafting with cat hair. They've devoted their whole life. <laughs> yeah, I want that to be true. And I, the, the, the front of it is it's got a photo of them in like standard sort of autobiography pose except it's got, you know, um, cat beards, like when you've got a cat sat in front of you um, just in front of your sort of chin and lower face, and then they look up at you. So they 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 look straight up, and that means that their nose overlaps your nose, and you can't see their eyes, and they're sort of like triangular little face, and they're fluff, and they just look like a beard. Is this, <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about, or do I just sound crazy? You do sound a bit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> look, Google cat beard, and you'll know what I'm saying, and so will the listeners. Okay. You all have smartphones, do it. Cat beards. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> What's your next one? All right, the next one is a real classic, Andy. You must have heard of this. It's called Grandad, There's a Head on the Beach. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So either this is a really brutal, true story of a kid who finds a dead man's head on a beach, or it's a it's a kid's book where like someone's been buried in sand. But I'm going to go with the first one because I think that's more exciting. Um, yeah, and it's I guess it's told by maybe the granddad wrote this story, and it's just a you know a horrific tale of his his grand grandson's uh, trauma at, at uh, discovering parts of a uh, you know someone who's been got by a serial killer um, finds his head in a plastic bag, and uh, and his you know his uh, recovery over many many years. <laughs> It plots the whole course of his therapy and all the rest of it. Like, not the, yeah, yeah. we don't know if they ever find the killer. It's just about the PTSD. No, it, it, actually, it's weird because the book just sort of ends mid-sentence, <laughs> and he, he's going, "Oh God, there's somebody," and it just stopped. But it it sold amazingly well. <laughs> all right, very good. It was discovered by his uh, his daughter the next day in a plastic bag that also contained his head. Yes. <laughs> Spoilers, actually. <laughs> Sorry. Come on. God, what am I doing? <laughs> Okay, so um, my next one you will definitely have heard of. It is The Complete Farmer's Guide to Slop by (laughs) Harry Grimben. (laughs) Nice. The Complete Farmer's Guide to Slop. Very good. Now, I know that slop is, I think, the technical term for what you feed to pigs. So that sounds to me like, you know, a gardener's guide to composting or whatever. You've got to know what the right sort of you know rotting veg and stuff is to put in that um slop pail to keep your hogs good and happy and fat but i want to believe that slop is also a slang term for something much more interesting in the farming community um and i'm trying to um, think what it what do you think that be. is <laughs> slop 
I don't want it to be sexual. I feel like that's too easy. Do you think it's a kind of dance, maybe? Maybe. I mean, yeah, my first thoughts were like a drug or something, but it'd be weird to have like a book about <laughs> a very, that. A farm-specific <laughs> drug. <laughs> um, well, I gotta, if, you I, fer- I gotta... if you ferment the slop for long enough, you get like moonshine. <laughs> it's really potent. Oh, man. I, that's probably true, to be fair. It'd be like prison wine. But uh, I gather that ketamine started life as a, as a horse tranquilizer. So I don't know. I don't, all right, not a drug. A dance is good. Um, slop. Yeah, some kind of... I want it to be an archaic cultural tradition, like uh, like a kind of a ritual hazing that needs to be done, like on a harvest moon. Um, I, I want it to be, yeah, some kind of cultural tradition. Like, uh, you know, like a, like the... I don't know. It'd be like the Bayou Guide to Voodoo or something, right? But instead mm-hmm. it's the Farmer's Guide to Slop. <laughs> if you arrange the pigs in just the right formation, you summon a demon. <laughs> Absolutely. And he'll help you with your pumpkin harvest. All right, the next uh, one might sound a little bit familiar to you, uh, based on one of our episode titles. It is okay. Pimp my airship. What? Mm. They stole that from us. They got that book out quick. Okay. Yeah. Or possibly I made it up. Could uh, go either oh, way. Don't double bluff me like that. <laughs> okay. Um, pimp my airship. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people have airships for this to sell? Unless it's a guy who has like bought an airship and and he's written a book about it he's like i spent all this money on this airship i'm almost completely bankrupt i need to write a book about it to re- recoup some of my losses because maybe it's like uh it's either that and it's just like pictures of his airship or it's a book you know you get like those beach books where it's like pictures of people's beach huts or whatever mm. like or like here's loads of like uh nice houses that you'll never be able to afford but you know here's a book of them to look at while you're like on holiday it would be like that, but just for inside airships. So it's just all these like really rich people with way too much money who bought airships because <laughs> like I have literally nothing else to buy airships, and they filled it with gold, so it barely floats anymore. It's like two inches off the ground, <laughs> um, but it looks really actually terrible. It's really tacky, but <laughs> but very expensive. Everything's like pink shag carpeting and leopard yeah. print, everything gilt. Yep. It's it's really horrible to look at, but you you open the book and you're dazzled and you go, yep, they're rich. Yep, <laughs> that's that's the goal at the end of the day, isn't it? So, and now onto the New York Times bestseller, "If God Loves Me, Why Can't I Get My Locker Open?" by Lorraine Peterson. Oh man, the age-old question. That is the product of someone in the 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 business of getting um, you know the good word out to today's youth who has been hollering at his uh, boardroom of executives, like, what do we need to make this relatable. Nobody cares about <laughs> the plagues of Egypt anymore. Nobody's worried about Noah's flood. Everything's, you know, gym class this, and, and you know, weed smoking that, and, and, and vapes, and, and fidget spinners. What do the kids of today care about? What problems can Jesus help? I'm punching my desk. <laughs> that hurts. I'm flailing my fists as I picture this angry old Christian. Um, yeah, what problems can Jesus help today's youth solve? And so hence this title, which was carefully tested on focus groups of uh, middle-aged conservative Americans uh, and emerged as the most relatable. Yeah, it's got a picture of um, Jesus on the front with the back, you know, the meme with Steve Buscemi, he's got a backwards cap and a, a skateboard. <laughs> Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> I'm picturing... That's how they thought it would sell. That's br- I also like the idea of it being like a... 
there's a there's illustrations you can get where uh, you know the phrase like Jesus take the wheel. There, I swear I've seen illustrations that I believe are meant seriously that are supposed to be Jesus, like literally. So it's like a person like, oh no, like swerving, whatever. And then there's like an extremely calm Jesus, just like wrapping one arm around their shoulders and reaching over for the wheel with the other hand. And he's got a halo glowing around his head and all the rest. And it's just, you know, like he's literally, it's okay, Janet. Like he's here to help. <laughs> just crash into the tree. It's all gonna be all right. <laughs> it's all part of the plan, Janet. You don't want to mess up the plan, do you? Uh, but I like the idea of a similar, just like the solemnity and the reverence, but it's just like this, this Jesus, like bringing all of his divine might down on the incredible problem of this kid who has just like jammed too many gym clothes into their locker and like, it just won't catch anymore. <laughs> and it's like, be it's okay. Be at peace, my child. So I, I mean, obviously you knew that one because it was top of the New York Times bestseller list for about 24 months, but, um, Oh my yeah. word. Incredible, yeah, mm. absolutely. Well, I mean, I've got six copies, obviously, um, and yeah, now I'll have to read Jesus. them. Yeah, signed by the author. All right, <clears throat> next up, I think you'll like this one. It's got alliteration. Uh, this one is called Cryptids and Chrysanthemums. Oh, Cryptids and Chrysanthemums. I like that. Cryptids sounds familiar, and I feel like I should know what it is from my biology degree, <laughs> but... I do not remember. Well, with any luck, your biology degree would not have included these. Uh, I, I believe a cryptid refers to a, um, I want to say mythological creature, but it's kind of controversial. We're talking about um, Loch Ness Monster. Oh, really? Bigfoot, Abominable Snowman. Yeah, like creatures Damn. that are believed by some to exist. Um, <laughs> University but... of Bath, why are you teaching me about these things? <laughs> They're not real. Right. Uh, okay, cryptids and chrysanthemums. Uh, I guess it's a guide for, for gardeners. To spot them if you're out and about, <laughs> like everyone has a duty to be vigilant to um, to Bigfoot, to cryptids, to all of these definitely real things, um, because the government's trying to conceal them from us. So uh, yeah, the gardeners need to, you know, while they're lopping the heads off chrysanthemums or whatever gardeners do, um, they've got to. <laughs> I'm not having any of these flowers. <laughs> shop shop. <laughs> oh, get these weeds out of here. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> They've got to be careful that they don't lop the heads off a few cryptids because, uh, you know, they love to hang out in, in flowers. They're like little flower beetles. That's why um, no one ever sees them. You don't expect to find Bigfoot among the flowers. No, and you, you never see them because as soon as they, you know, emerge, the gardeners are there with their secateurs just lopping the heads off. Far too sharp. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That's the thing about Bigfoot, much smaller than you think. Big feet, mm. sure, but he's actually very small. I think that one would help if I knew what a cryptid looked like, but alas, I do not. Well, <laughs> so I think it depends just, on the cryptid. I'm just imagining something which looks very similar to a chrysanthemum, but with eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably one of them. A cryptid is a, is a general term for all such creatures. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, so the Loch Ness Monster is a cryptid, and Bigfoot's a cryptid, and so on. Speaking of uh, mythical creatures, um, this isn't one, but anyway, it's got a creature in it. It is... The Big Book of Lesbian Horse Stories by Elisa Serkis and Monica Nolan. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> that is very good. But I actually came across this one. I'm oh, sorry. No. I know. No. I know. I'm sorry. It's uh, You said horses, didn't you? But I, I it wasn't I on my final list. But I did. I, I whittled this one out. It's so it's good, though. Good the description. Like, these women vulnerable to the temptations of Sapphos. Oh, and it's like, oh. Okay. I'm gonna... Yeah, I'll read out the description now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so the tagline on the front is, When these sapphic sisters saddle up, ecstasy is only a hoofbeat away. Oh, good lord. So that's the tagline on the front. Um... 
And yeah, some of the great phrases like uh, a world-class jumper like Julie in Lady Snow, a champion tempted by the irresistible rhythms of the bisexual Eurobeat. I don't know what that means. <laughs> what? <laughs> but Eurobeat anyway. sounds like a genre of really bad music. Yeah, I, re- I really wanted this book to be about lesbian horses, but yeah. alas, it is about the people who ride horses i don't i don't know for a fact that the horses aren't lesbian in it but it seems to be mostly the people riding them <laughs> yeah well yeah it didn't seem like a fantastic read but i don't know i could be wrong i don't how many stars did it get i i don't i have no idea i didn't make a note of the star ratings that's fair enough well, we'll let the viewers figure that one out they can write in with their reviews yeah okay so i'll move on to my next one yeah, sorry. I, I got a few lined up uh my next one is called Cooking with poo. Oh, marvellous. Okay. (laughs) Now, listen, I want this to be pure fiction, but Uh I know humans. And (laughs) (laughs) have we already talked about the fact that (laughs) the phrase mummies are so rare as in Egyptian mummies are so rare because we ate ate them. them. Yeah, is a factual phrase. Yeah. yeah, why? Yeah, that's just sad. There <laughs> is weird. no substance so bizarre or unpleasant um, that we have not, at some point in our history or in our geography, decided that it is somehow medicinal. And that 100% uh, includes feces, I guarantee it. So, scatological cuisine, uh, I'm sure, is on the menu for someone. And the real question is is it like a modern cookbook? I feel like it's more likely to be a history of. Um, cultures and dishes that would have done this, like, you know, swallow nest soup, except it's like swallow guano soup and (laughs) so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, That is the only thing I can think of, because alternatively, it would just be... The only other thing I can imagine is, like, some chef published, like, um, cooking with, you know, me, Marco, or whoever, and then, like, their incredibly disgruntled ex or someone... (laughs) published like the parody yeah <laughs> which is just cooking with poo <laughs> and it's just them just laying into them on every page yeah you're not far off you're not far off brilliant don't specify with which one though no i won't excellent okay next one i've got for you is i'd tell you i love you but then i'd have to kill you hmm this sounds oh i don't know this sounds like is it an attempt to sort of do a Fifty Shades of Grey in the spy genre? I've uh, and like you know specifically mm. Fifty Shades of Grey was marketed towards women, so maybe it's more of a it's it's sort of written from uh in, in quotes the Bond girl kind of perspective. Um, right. Presumably, the whole book is like nothing happens until James Bond walks in and you're like, oh, hello, <laughs> I'm going to drop everything and pay attention to you, random life weird, is just weird guy. totally meaningless, <laughs> and then suddenly he arrives. Suddenly, oh, thank goodness this this privileged man has arrived to save me um, and say something really inappropriate to me in front of lots of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just a book of, um, you know, this woman just, you know, chilling, having a nice time just sort of hanging around bars because that's what they tend to do it seems and just you know or like casinos or supervillains uh, lairs or whatever yeah and they just stay there and it's sort of like day to day it's like the monotony of it and then suddenly james bond turns up 
and there's like a brief, quite unsatisfying sexual encounter, and then it ends. <laughs> I tell you what I would like, it's not what it is, sadly, but I would really like that to be a collection of short stories. Like yeah. a number of different Bond girls, like every chapter a different one, or one Bond girl and a number of different spies. Oh, that would be good. Right? And every one of them leaves thinking like, that's right, broke her heart. I was the best she ever knew, and now I'm just going to leave her, you know? But, like, but then, then she's, she's, like, well, she's just actually one. like, she's an ultra spy. She's like a secret agent. Like, I'm collecting info on all these idiot men who <laughs> <laughs> would just, like, tell me everything because they think I'm some stupid, you know... All I have person. to do is introduce myself as Pussy Galore and they just yeah. <laughs> drop all the intel immediately. <laughs> that sounds like a real name. Huh, definitely not a spy. Anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. It's like, she's not a spy because she didn't say, I'm James Bond, I'm a spy. Therefore, <laughs> not a spy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my last one. My last one is... A Gift from God, 100 Presents for Priests, by Reverend Timothy Ball. Okay, 100 Presents for Priests. Now, what I want that to be is just his, like, Christmas list, (laughs) essentially. (laughs) Like, things that he wants. Yeah, like a new rosary (laughs) and, like, a cassock with my initials embroidered in the corner, or, you know, like, this is the best type of communion wine, that sort of thing. Um, but I fear that it might instead just be a hundred gifts from God along the lines of like useless, intangible things like optimism or grace or patience or you know what I mean? It's just going to be like a daily meditation on uh, gratitude or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, Yeah. I like how you referred to them as, uh, referred to them as useless things. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can't return those for cash, so... Did you get the receipt with this gratitude? (laughs) It's clearly not working, otherwise I'd be grateful for it, so I want to return it. (laughs) Have you got any more, or are you out? I've got one last one, and I bet you can't guess what it's about, Andy. It is called Kissing the Coronavirus. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. Wow, that's that's a rapid turnaround for this book. Yep. Um, Kissing the Coronavirus... I guess it's probably a book about uh, relationships during coronavirus and like the, uh, I don't know, or like just like the strains of relationships under coronavirus, or is it literally like, um, uh, (laughs) I don't know. Okay, here's a more fun idea. It's about someone who thinks, you know, people think that they have relationships with random things like with ducks. Oh, or buildings. That's one of my favourites. Or buildings mm-hmm, is a great mm-hmm. one. Or like pillows or anime characters or whatever. Absolutely. This Why one is like some, like it's the story of a woman who truly believes that she is in a relationship with coronavirus and she's just so proud to see it prospering. <laughs> <laughs> she's just so pleased with her boo. Yeah. Um, and it's it's sort of a uh, sometimes funny, sometimes incredibly dark take on this woman's psyche uh, and her like realisation that um, perhaps her... Her partner is not all he seems to he or he she it <laughs> a virus is nothing so I don't <laughs> it all it seems to be yeah very good I like that I like that a lot well we've <laughs> we've had all of those mm-hmm. some great titles in there strong let's hear some synopses yeah synopses okay so I'm gonna go back to <laughs> the first one which to remind you is the story of the Vivian girls in what is known as the realms of the unreal of the Glandico and Jelinian war storm caused by the child slave rebellion. Whew. Uh, so 
it starts off with a little bit about the author. So, uh, the entire time Henry Dargle was working as a janitor in downtown Chicago, nobody knew that he was secretly writing one of the most bizarre and intricate storybooks of all time. When he died in 1973, Dargle's landlord discovered a 15,000-page manuscript Whoa. entitled... Blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to say it again. The book was immense, a sprawling epic composed of more than 9 million words no. <laughs> and over 300 watercolour illustrations, most of which were made by juxtaposing images from magazines and newspapers and tracing over them. Some what? of the final illustrations were laid out on massive sheets of paper over 3 metres wide. What? Nobody really knows how long Darga worked on the book, although it's believed to have been decades. He lived in the same cramped single-room apartment for over 40 years, and he, he never spoke a word of his lifelong dream to anyone. Wow. And is the book any good? Has anyone soldiered through it? I have no idea. I mean, that's, a, that's a hefty undertaking. Whoa. There must be somebody who's like, that's, they've made it their like literary study, which is crazy. But yeah. Incredible. I, I'm going to need links to these for the show notes. Uh, the oh, the yeah, people definitely. need to know. They do. They do. Okay. Crafting with cat hair. Cute handed crafts to make with your cat. Are your favourite sweaters covered with cat hair? Are there fur balls piled up in every corner of your home? And do you love to make quirky and one-of-a-kind crafting projects? If so, it's time to throw away your lint roller and curl up with your kitty. Crafting with cat hair shows readers how to transform stray clumps of fur into soft and adorable handicrafts. Almost read that as handcuffs, anyway. From <laughs> kitty tote bags and finger puppets to fluffy cat toys, picture frames and more. These projects are cat-friendly, eco-friendly and require no special equipment or training. You can make the most of these projects in under an hour, with a little help, of course, from your feline friends. Amazing. I want to mock it, but I mean, why? Like, we use feathers and stuff in crafts and little fuzzy pom-pom things and whatever. Like, why not? Why is not one? Yeah. Maybe you can incorporate one of those little hairballs in there as well. Yeah, exactly. When they eat a, eat a mouse. Mm, just moist and delicious. Yeah. Okay, next one. The Complete Farmer's Guide to Slop. An essential guide on suitable leftovers to feed to pigs, goats, and other animals nah. that will provide them with all the vitamins and minerals they need to grow quickly and safely. Tips on what to avoid and the best times to feed your animals makes this a must-have for the budding farmer. I kept that one fairly short because it was quite a boring description, but oh, I like just that. like the title. <laughs> it's a good title. I'm a little disappointed that it is what I initially expected it was. Yeah, but... yeah it is kind of uh, straightforward, isn't it? Okay, if God loves me, why can't I get my locker open? It's time to give God a piece of your mind. What's on your mind? Is it your biology file? You are really close with this one. Oh Is God. it the fight you just had with your best friend? Is it Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> Because it should be, children. <laughs> Staying close by him is the best way to make it through this crazy life. But it can be hard to keep Jesus on your mind morning, noon, and night. Especially when so many people think that being a Christian means you're weak, naive, or uncool. Rediscover the power of God's love, and you'll remember why it was so important for you to stick by him in the first place. Oh, hang on. Sorry, I skipped, I skipped a bit. Um... This book, filled with enough devotionals for an entire year, equips you to hold fast to values like maintaining sexual purity, having a good work ethic, and being a great friend. Sorry, I had to read that bit out. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love the order. Sexual purity, good work ethic, being a great friend. Yes, priority order, presumably. Yeah, presumably so. Um, fantastic. Well, that that is great. And I, you know, may, may all their lockers forever be, uh, you know, functional. <laughs> okay. Cooking with poo. I'm sorry to disappoint you, Adriano. It's more boring than you thought. This, cook this cookbook derives its unsanitary title from author Saeed Devong's nickname, Poo, which is Thai for crab. Devong lives in Bangkok's uh, Klong Toei slum, where she runs a community cookery school. So it is unfortunately not actually cooking It's with just feces. literally some poor woman's name, and I didn't think <laughs> yeah, of that. Yeah, and the translation did not work well. <laughs> Amazing. 
I can't believe no one flagged that. Anyway, uh, and the last one is a gift from God, 100 presents for priests. Make a good impression on the second most important person in your spiritual life with this collection of interesting, thoughtful, and amusing gift ideas. Again, it was kind of a boring one God, to God, it is uh, literally a gift guide for priests, though. Yeah, Does there's that like... Pi- really there's like <laughs> There's, like, pictures of, like, dog collars and, like, you know, like, nice wines for communion and stuff. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Remarkable. Fair enough. Now, the priest is the second most important person in your spiritual life. Is the most important person the Jesus? <laughs> the Jesus. Uh... I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. It's got to be like the deity. I don't know, though. It seems weird to me because it's like either they're not a person, right? Like I wouldn't call God a person. Or if you're like God's a person and your priest's a person, like fair enough. But then the priest isn't the second most important person because there's a bunch of load of saints and prophets and stuff, right? Uh, I'm not going to put my priest above Jesus. I'm sorry. Like father, (gasps) son, (laughs) holy ghost. That's your first three. And then father, priest, (laughs) holy ghost, son. (laughs) Jesus, firm third, fourth even, <laughs> and then we start on the saints. Yeah, <laughs> my Reverend, Tim- Reverend Timothy Bull is firmly in second place. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, okay, so um, two of those are fake. Are so... they really? Yeah. God, Andy, they all sound so real. Um, that is distressing. Okay, so we've got the the like however many million word manuscript in the Janice's house. Um, yeah, we've got cat hair. Cat hair we've cross. got we've got slop. slop. We've got God and his locker. Yeah. We've got uh we, we had lesbian horse stories. We've got mm. cooking with poo yeah. and we've got a gift from God. Okay. Ah, hmm. I'm going to say I reckon you made up the gift from God one at the end. You are correct. Yes. Okay. Good good good. I didn't have priest pegged as that venal. <laughs> Um, and secondly, oh god, they're all so good though. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a great sound effect we're building up here. I'm gonna assume you just you just felt like ragging on the religious for a little while, and uh, the other one is the why can't I get my locker open. No, that is that is a real one. That's legit. I'm afraid. Okay. Yeah. The the, the, uh, the other fake is the complete farmer's guide to slop. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I can see that sort of thing existing though. Oh, I bet it, you know something like it probably exists. Yeah. But... Maybe it doesn't want its own volume. Maybe it's like I don't. I don't know how magazine. much you can write about slop. Fair like, enough. It's just leftover food. Well, yeah, but you see, I thought that um, compost heaps were just like whatever it is, pile it up, it'll rub down eventually. But no, no, they're like, oh, you need a layer of eggshells, and you want to avoid this. Comfrey's really good. You got to get that nitrogen in. That you know, there's they have a lot of opinions. So right. I'm sure there's good slop and bad slop. And you know, if you want to win like the county prize for fattest hog next year uh-huh. and finally beat out that jackass, your neighbour, you know, old Clive, you're gonna have to get good slop. And that's that's <laughs> when you buy this book. Andy, you should get to writing. I think there's a gold mine in it, honestly. <laughs> I'll I'll write about slop. Okay. That Please. sounds good. Okay. So your ones, what were they again? So we have first of all, God just wanted to play golf. <clears throat> right. And here's the synopsis. Please forgive my creaking chair. One day I shall get a better one. Uh, we should st- We should get a Kickstarter, start a Patreon or something, so people can buy me a chair. I'd like <laughs> Non-creaky that. chair. That's the <laughs> first thing. God just wanted to play golf. And I, I've abbreviated a lot of these. Like, So these are excerpts from sometimes quite long-winded synopses, but here we are. God just wanted to play golf. 
God, omniscient creator, terrible golfer, and disgruntled CEO of heaven, asks for little in life. He wants nothing more than for his private elevator to be repaired, ten minutes of peace and quiet to eat Girl Scout cookies, and an 18-hole round with a recently deceased British Prime Minister. So when a broken database causes his records department to send the Grim Reaper a list of souls not ready for reaping, his once peaceful life quickly begins to unravel. Oh, I was kind of close. Yeah, you weren't a million miles away, actually. It just isn't a children's book, apparently. Yeah. So, Mm, yeah, fewer pictures, but similar. Secondly, we have Grandad, There's a Head on the Beach. (laughs) (laughs) Now this one's... Is it? Oh, I'm bated breath. Is it going to be mine? This one is part of a series of uh, crime novels. (laughs) Grandad, There's a Decapitated Limb on the Beach. (laughs) It's always the same beach. Just stuff washes up. (laughs) There's an arm in the abattoir. (laughs) (laughs) Who do you tell when you wake up to find a severed head on your resort front beach in the morning? For frustrated ex-crime reporter Jim Jury, it means action. (laughs) Jim Jury? (laughs) Yeah. With her former cop grandfather as backup, she sets out to discover how the poor fellow ended up where he did and why. Is is Jim Jury short for Jim Jimny Jim Jimny Jim Jim Jury? (laughs) I can only assume so. Yeah, no, I, Jury is the surname. Oh. It's not just one word. It's Jim. A detective Jury. as happy as happy can be. Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah wow. as lucky as lucky can be. Oh, sorry, sorry. I believe. So. <laughs> Can't believe how lucky I am to find his head on the beach. Oh, yeah, Granddad, get out here and take a look at this. Amazing. <laughs> Poke it with a stick. <laughs> oh, he's dead, all right. Oh, k- kick him over here. How, how old is this person? They must be fairly old, right? I had to be a detective? Um, yeah, I guess so, but the granddad's still kicking. He's enormous, though. <laughs> He's absolutely huge. He's absolutely the criminals huge. go running. <laughs> okay. He's the, yeah, he's the uh, the hired muscle in this scenario. He is, yeah. <laughs> okay, Pimp My Airship. <clears throat> uh-huh. Now, this appears to be a steampunk fantasy of sorts. Um, when young heiress Sophine Jefferson's father is murdered, the careful is, life... What? Is that spelled A-I-R-E-S-S? Because it should be. Oh god, it should be! It is not. It is spelled with a silent <laughs> H, but yeah, I like that. When young heiress Sophine Jefferson's father is murdered, the careful life she'd been constructing for herself tumbles around her. She's quickly drawn into a web of intrigue, politics, and airships, joining with Sleepy and... <laughs> Sleepy is a name, by the way. Capital S, and Knowledge Allah, also a name, in a fight for their freedom. Chased from one end of a retrofitted Indianapolis to the other, they encounter outlaws, the occasional circus, possibly a medium, and more outlaws. Brilliant. I feel like that's kind of a spoiler. I love the sentence, intrigue, politics, and airships. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The natural three that go together. Oh yeah, the classic trinity of fiction. Okay, brilliant. So let's pimp my airship. (laughs) These are all quite convincing so far, and I'm getting a bit nervous. <laughs> but there's only one fake to find. Okay, so, okay. Um, you've got three down, three more. <clears throat> Let's see what you make of cryptids and... Chris- I always struggle with this. Chrysanthemums. There it is. All right, this is a Victorian-era romance with a twist. Gloriana is a fiery-tempered young woman, fiercely loyal to her sister Meredith, but a thorn in the side of her dear father. Just as her elegant charm and captivating looks draw in any number of suitors... Her wayward spirit inevitably nips in the bud any matrimonial arrangements. That is, until a dashing but mysterious young navy captain appears on her roof during a storm. Sheltering him secretly despite the risk of scandal, she discovers beneath the uniform a man like no other. 
her suit but refined gentleman who claims to come from the new world and a different time. Will the enigmatic Captain Sasquatch prove equal to her untamable nature? Who looks almost exactly like a chrysanthemum. <laughs> His face is just covered in petals. Wow, okay. I've got two there's, more. So. There's a certain theme here. They're all very uh, supernatural, aren't they? Um, Gosh. I guess apart from the d- detective one. Yeah, Head on the Beach. I mean, that could be perfectly natural. Yeah. Uh, the next one is not supernatural. So, I'd tell you I love you, but then I'd have to kill you. Um, yep. <clears throat> Cammy Morgan is a student at the Gallagher Academy for Exceptional Young Women, a fairly typical all-girls school. That is, if every school taught advanced martial arts in PE and the latest in chemical warfare in science, and students received extra credit for breaking CIA codes in computer class. The Gallagher Academy might claim to be a school for geniuses, but it's really a school for spies. Even though Cammy is fluent in 14 languages and capable of killing a man in seven different ways, she has no idea what to do when she meets an ordinary boy who thinks she's an ordinary girl. Sure, she can tap his phone, hack into his computer, or track him through town with the skill of a real pavement artist, but can she manoeuvre a relationship with someone who can never know the truth about her? So, (laughs) okay... So it's like, oh, I've got this really awesome girl, like this amazing uh, academy. And it's just like, and it's a love story. <laughs> yes. Because oh. all women are defined by their interests in men. Yeah. Oh, if only, you know, she did something exciting. If okay. only. But instead, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, and finally, continuing that theme, we have Kissing the Coronavirus. Yeah. And this is great. Dr. Alexa Ashingtonford is part of a crack team of scientists tasked with finding the cure to the devastating coronavirus. Little did she know she would end up falling in love with it in this steamy viral erotica. (laughs) Kissing the coronavirus is a steamy tale about forbidden love and dark desires come to life. (laughs) This one's right. (laughs) No, it can't be true. I refuse to allow it. Is that your final answer? (laughs) No, it isn't, because I can absolutely see it being true, because people are messed up. They really are. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. <laughs> oh. And what was her name? Dr. Alexa Ashingtonford. Ashingtonford is not, Possibly Ashington is not a Ford. surname. I don't know. Ashington is. They put Ford on the end of stuff. Oh god, I don't know. All of these sound made up and all of them could exist. Mm-hmm. It's... Run me through them again. So God just wanted to play golf. Granddad, there's a head on the beach. Pimp my airship, cryptids and chrysanthemums. Uh, I'd tell you I love you, but then I'd have to kill you. And kissing the coronavirus. Oh, I'm. I I don't really know, but I think I'm going to go with pimp my airship. Oh no! Damn it! Yeah, sorry, that is real, and it appears to be one of a series. Oh, I thought the the title didn't seem like. To fit with the the content, and also I was like, "You love steampunk," so I could absolutely see you writing about that. Yeah, I really do. Um, do you want to try a second guess? Oh no, because I'm just going to get all of them wrong. Then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cryptids and chrysanthemums. Yes, very good. Oh, it is absolutely okay. Right. Oh yeah, I just wanted a, a book in which I could put my OC. Uh, do not steal, um, Captain Sasquatch. Sasquatch yeah. being another name for Bigfoot, of course. That's a that's a good one. Thank you very I mean, much. It does make me sad, though, that the one where the it's the Academy for Girls Who Are Spies and Are Really Awesome is, is real, where she just falls in love with a boy. 
I want um, to and, hope and that there's more to her character. Hopefully, like, it, it twists it, you know, halfway along. Hopefully. But also the kissing the coronavirus thing, that's real. Oh, that is so real, and you need to see the cover. Uh, do yourself a favour and look it up right now. Okay, okay. Give me give me two lukewarm seconds. Go for uh, it. <laughs> kiss <laughs> I'm going to describe it for the listeners virus. at home while Andy finds it. What they've done is picture it's by someone called mj edwards by the way um in case you want to find out where they live and egg their house <laughs> and it is a classic oh romance my cover, god right so it's got a woman with like a, a very oiled body like she's shiny on that arm they're um, both shiny they're both shiny but he's got more reasons so she's leaning in for the kiss and the the buff beefcake man that she is resting her hand on the pectoral of is bright Hulk green he with is like Hulk green. weird are those like the the sticky out bits on the virus right he's yeah, got like these they're like the the proteins on the virus the the blobs yeah awesome well he's got those sort of frondy tentacle things kind of photoshopped like sticking out of his shoulder and his forearm and his neck and like antenna around his head and stuff it's not well done he looks very unwell um but i i'm sure they'll be very happy together <laughs> i'm just reading a bit of this article it's like uh, the ongoing coronavirus pandemic has given people the opportunity to pick up new hobbies or introspect as they spend the bulk of their time indoors. Some people started journaling, others picked up knitting, a lot of them just got really horny. <laughs> and <I'm, laughs> I don't understand, why would you make this? If you fall into the last group, then boy do I have good news for you. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh god, some of this stuff. I, they've got excerpts from it, it's like... Despite the devastation the virus was causing around the globe, Alexa felt a rush of excitement every time she picked up the corona sample, like a pulsating erect, <clears throat> desperate to unleash its devastation on anyone who touched it. Oh, good God. I'm seeing these on the same article. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, anyone who wants excerpts can look them up for themselves, because these are extremely not PG. Yeah. But I and... would add, also not arousing, because the second excerpt is... Alexa pulled down her lab pants and and then I'm just ah, yes. gonna I'm gonna redact. Famous lab pants. <laughs> <laughs> lab coat, lab pants. What else are you gonna wear underneath? <laughs> anyway, blah 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 blah, redact the next bit. Uh glided across her skin like a fat man on a water slide. Which oh, lovely. I that know is, is the image that I want in my head <laughs> when I picture a woman I'm undressing. That's amazing. Amazing. Um so I've got some other books that I found, and I don't know if there's enough here for another segment, so I might just read them out, because they are amazing. Are you sure you don't want to preserve them? Because I think this this oh. uh, game bears another... Ch- I, you're just you're itching to go? I'm just... I really want to share them with the world, but maybe we should save them for I another time. save them. We'll, we'll come in Let's for another episode. Yeah. Listeners, let me tell you, you're in for some treats with, with these book titles. Oh, um, on tenterhooks. So yeah, that was... Hyper fake calls. Boo boo boo. Blim blam book. <laughs> All right, we did it. We did it. So, uh, if you woke up this morning wondering what would happen if giants uh, were part of our population and they were all what our old people turned into, or you wondered what are some stupid books that exist in the world and also some which don't, we've solved it for you. You're very welcome. We do it for the people at the end of the day. Yeah. Because, you know, we do this so you don't have to. Exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a public you service. To put in, you don't have to put in the mental effort of really, really thinking about absolute nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> for, for hours at a time. Just leave that to us. Rest safe in the knowledge that you can just get on with your more productive hobbies, jobs, whatever. The things you need to do. Raising your children. Yeah. We'll cover the other stuff. It's fine. And if you wake up in the middle of the night sweating because you don't know what would happen if cats turned into turnips um, when they got wet, then pick up the hypotheticals <laughs> phone, uh, which is the red phone that will have appeared next to you as I say this, um, and we'll be there in a flash. That was the Hypotheticals podcast. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at Hypotheticals. That's Hypotheticals without the R. Follow me individually at Rain Tortoise. That's Rain like the weather phenomenon. And Tortoise like the animal. And you can follow me at Mr. Howell. That's M-R-H-O-W-L. If you've enjoyed this, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Because it really helps. And we'll see you next time. Bye! Okay, I'm just going to look at my notes. It's my scrolling noise. Hello. Okay, nice. Addy, I think I'm going to do NaNoWriMo this year. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to give it a go. I gave it a go back in 2017 and got absolutely nowhere. <laughs> How much do you need to write for it? Um, it's 50,000 words <clears throat> in a month is the idea. Ooh. Yeah. It's like one and a half that thousand words a day. It doesn't sound at all doable. That does not sound fun. <laughs> I don't know. I think I might just do it like and not expect to do well, but just to give me a bit of a mm-hmm. push. Because I've got a yeah. novel idea I've been kicking around for literally more than a decade at this point. And I'm uh-huh. tired of yeah, being I... the guy with the idea. I know, I've <laughs> I've had novel ideas for yeah, probably about a decade as well. Right? So Yeah. Like this Greek god book, I'm like, huh. huh. Had this in various forms. Literally tried writing it when I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. Got about I, I actually got about ninety thousand words in oh, and then realised it was utter shite. Really? <laughs> yeah. And just chucked it all. Yeah, well, because like every scene was like a page long. So, you know, it, it was just like cut, 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 cut for ninety thousand words. Yeah. How did you have this? How did you come up with so many damn scenes? Good lord. Yeah. So I've got a different version I'm working on, but amazing. Yeah, I think that's. I I would not do Nano Remo. It sounds. I think I did try to do it once and just got depressed. Fair enough. Well, I will give it a go, and maybe it'll depress me, and then I'll stop.